Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Ugh, another pointless video call where nothing gets done. I think you're on mute, David. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. What did I miss? IT just approved Miro for the whole company. Miro? That's the... Online whiteboard. For team collaboration. We can make these long video meetings so much shorter with Miro boards. We can share ideas, feedback, and updates on them whenever. Actually see what we're talking about. It's all online. Miro will make our flexible work setup so much easier. With one virtual space for our brainstorms, projects, presentations. Oh, that sounds kind of amazing. So I don't need to wake up for 6 a.m. calls with the London office anymore. Now you're getting it. Don't let time zones get in the way of your team working well together. See why 99% of the Fortune 100 trust Miro to get good work done from anywhere. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. We did it. I still can't believe we got this project done so fast and so well. When I'm in New York. I'm in Chicago. And I'm in L.A. But we're making it happen in Miro. Together. Our best work just happens faster on Miro's collaborative online whiteboard. No more scheduling meeting after meeting for work that could happen from anywhere. Whether it's getting design feedback here, mapping timelines here, or brainstorming next steps here. It all just happens on the Miro board. Exactly. And it's nice not having to wait an entire day to get sign-off from this guy. Hey! Well, it is true. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com. The first three boards are free forever. That's M-I-R-O.com. Everybody and welcome to a special live episode of the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Yeah, and we're back at it again here on a special live episode this morning on a Friday morning. We we hadn't done a main show. We done a bunch of reviews earlier in the week with Last of Us um and a couple other views and so we just took a little bit of a break this week and then boom all this stuff dropped yesterday so we're like let's do a live show impromptu live show so thanks to everybody who is joining us live i know we had 45 of you all joining us uh, or waiting for us to jump on so here we are jumping into everything we're gonna talk some lord of the Rings stuff we're gonna talk some rogers the musical stuff we're gonna get into a main topic talking about whether james gunn is right uh about superman or not and we're also going to talk Stephen yoon joining the Thunderbolts and what that means for the Marvel Cinematic Universe to have him coming in to be a part of it as well. So a lot to jump into. Plus, we're going to answer your questions, your super chats, and your Streamlabs. I'm going to put the Streamlabs address 
in the chat. I'm going to pin it in the chat. It's also available there on the screen. So we're going to jump into all of that as we go along. We're trying to keep it to about a 90-minute show. So if you want to get your Streamlabs and Super Chats in, get them in now. But before we do that, let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on The Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you're going to be able to see me tonight, tonight. on Party Down, the season premiere of Party Down on Stars. After tonight, I will not bring it up anymore. I'll, I'll start <laughs> talking about Strawberry Shortcake again. So I imagine that means you're not a recurring character on the show is what you're trying to Nope, do. it is one and done. <laughs> well, they we'll blow see. me up, John. I die. Wow. Hey, man. <laughs> Uh, and of course, a big shout out to Carbon Health, who powers and sponsors us here on the Geek Buddies into 2023. Big shout out to CarbonHealth.com. If you uh, have any healthcare questions, concerns, or needs, these are the people you want to turn to, ladies and gentlemen. They've handled a lot of uh, cases. They've dealt with a lot of physical needs, uh, emotional needs. They're working now even more on their mental health programs for people. So there's a lot of positives at Carbon Health that you can take advantage of today. Head on over to CarbonHealth.com, set up an appointment to even see them in person or see them virtually. And if you don't like to use the computer, you can download it, the app and have it on your phone to have a, a doc in your pocket there for any of those healthcare questions, concerns, or needs on the go. CarbonHealth.com, go and visit them today. All right, for those of you who are new to the show, thank you so much for taking a chance on the Geek Buddies. Maybe some of you are like, let me check out their show, see what they got to say about James Gunn's comments about Superman. Well, thank you very much for joining us. For those of you who've been around for a while, thanks for sticking around and being a part of the Geek Buddies. The way it works is each of us brings a geek news item. We take a mini break and then jump into our main topic. And our main topic is going to be James Gunn's recent comments. In fact, even today, going back on people on Twitter talking about his approach to Superman and if it's the right approach or not. So it's going to be a heck of a debate. Just get ready for that. Let me tell you right off the bat. Um, all right. I guess I kick off here with the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, let's jump into this news. This is massive. Lord of the Rings is going to get new movies here. This is according to a number of outlets. Boris Kidd over at Hollywood Reporter. Also here at Variety. Matt Donnelly talking about this. This was a, a, a big news item that dropped last night on a Thursday earnings call with Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav announcing that the newly installed studio leaders, Mike DeLuca and Pam Abdi, have brokered a deal to make multiple films based on the beloved J.R.R. Tolkien books. The projects will be developed through the WB label of New Line Cinema. The first Lord of the Rings trilogy, of course, we all know, was helmed by Peter Jackson and made almost $3 billion worldwide. It's a little bit less than Transformers, but all right. Anyway, the trilogy that followed was the Tolkien's The Hobbit that matched those grosses matched those grosses. I want to make it clear, The Hobbit matched the Lord of the Rings money. Uh, no filmmakers have been attached, and Peter Jackson and uh, Fran Walsh and Philippa Boyens released a statement saying that they have that the Warner Brothers and Embracer, who, have, who owns the rights, have kept us in the loop every step of the way. We look forward to speaking with them further to hear their vision for the franchise moving forward. We know that Jackson did not take part in the uh, Lord of the Rings uh, series that was recently on Amazon Prime, or Prime Video, rather, and which a lot of people enjoyed. Some people didn't. Uh, so interesting to separate the rights. And of course, that's that takes place in, in the uh, further times. This one would go probably forward from what we got in the Lord of the Rings movie. So, gentlemen, what do you think about this? Is there a lot of material to mine? And is are you all excited by this? Well, to... to... Uh, address Travis in the in the comments right now. He's asking, so what's with Amazon owning some of it? So Amazon owns the TV rights. Yeah, the TV rights. Um, all the other rights, the films, theme parks, 
all of that is is with the other companies. So that's why Am that's why Amazon is able to do the television shows, and that's why there isn't necessarily any direct connective tissue in between, you know, the two the two uh, uh, mediums. Right. Um, like now, I've ne I've never read the Silmarillion. Um, I have read the Lord of the Rings. I, I read the Hobbit a way long time ago. Um, so I don't know if if there's more. I mean, obviously they you know they talk about they talk about the times before. So I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, I think yeah. what what the the Rings of Power did, which is basically um, taking place in the time when uh, Mordor was was birthed, essentially. Like Second that age. was a, yeah. yeah, that was really that was smart. Um, you know, that was a, that was a good creative choice in terms of whether they're going to continue the saga or if it's just more stories within the saga i'm not i'm not sure i mean i don't know i don't know if folks that are clamoring for for more movies in middle earth i could be 100 wrong maybe it's just the circle of people that i hang out with um but yeah i'm curious what they're going to pull from um again you know the silmarillion is the thing that i believe tolkien didn't finish correct yeah. Vogel? Correct. um so he didn't finish it, but there is material in there. Um, maybe, I mean, look, if they get the right people attached and it comes out looking good, people are going to go see it because it is a known, it is one of our few like big known properties that thus far every at bat that they've had, whether it be the two trilogies or the film series, yeah. they've been successful. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, you know, you have, you have, uh, you're going in already kind of well established right. um in terms of what they're going to pull from that's that's the more interesting that's the more interesting question like are they going to maybe do some original stuff gosh who knows will it be the ballad of tom bombadil uh you know every <laughs> character that ever, some people had tom an issue bombadil's with. <laughs> time has finally come <laughs> a character who was left out of fellowship of the ring i don't know i'm curious i'm curious but with most decisions that warner brothers has made recently it's sort of like it's a it's a huh i guess we got to wait and see Bombadil mania is upon us, brother. Um, yeah, uh, Michael, what are you? What are your thoughts <laughs> on this? I mean, do you do you like this idea? Do you think it's like, oh, is it really the time to bring it back? Do you think maybe it is the time to bring it back because we're such a fractured society now? We've slipped into tribalism in every aspect of our lives: sports, politics, media, entertainment. It's all happening. Something like this that speaks about being positive and putting away the evil and bringing people back together. What do you think about this? Or is it because we have a world of superheroes, we don't need Middle Earth anymore? What are your thoughts on this? Because of shows like the Geek Buddies and every other show that you all listen to online about all of the big brands that we are all obsessed about, studios are going to keep trying to maintain their big brands. And Warner Brothers is sitting here, Harry Potter, who the fuck knows? DC, yeah. think maybe we're on a good track, but we'll see, it hasn't had the best track record, and they've got Middle Earth. So yeah. they look over at Disney, who is absolutely slaying with Disney, Pixar, MCU, Star Wars. Uh, you got Paramount over here, uh, doing what they can with Star Trek, looking to reboot Transformers. Every studio is looking at what big brands do we have yeah. with characters and stories that fans want to see. And Middle Earth is one of them. I mean, like yeah. when we talk about what stories we do have or don't have in Middle Earth, like you look at how well Rings of Power did. And even though it wasn't everybody's cup of tea, like people showed up to watch it. Yeah. It's the same reason that HBO took a swing and said, we got to fix Game of Thrones, man. Like these are the big brands that we are all going to gravitate towards. And yeah. we might not like what you do with it, but we're absolutely going to check it out. 
Now, as far as what they have the rights to, Shannon's right that Amazon has the TV rights, but they don't have all the TV rights. And I think right. this is where uh, Warner Brothers is going to dig in. What Amazon specifically has the TV rights to is Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, Return of the King, The Appendices, and The Hobbit. And yeah. most of what they took to do to make Rings of Power came out of the appendices. But Amazon does not have the rights to the Cimmerillion, Unfinished Tales, the, or the History of Middle Earth, or any of the other books in that arena. Mm. And that's like a huge chunk of lore. So yeah. there's a there's a lot in Rings of Power that is referenced as far as the beginnings of everything and Morgoth and all this stuff happened. But they can't actually tell those stories specifically because those stories come from the Cimmerillion. Right. So there is a significant chunk of lore, uh, particularly like the first age, I believe. Uh, yeah. I'm not like a Tolkien nerd like I am other things, but I believe in the first age that hasn't really been touched, uh, that there's a lot there. So if they can squeeze three movies out of The Hobbit, which they should not have done, but they did it, <laughs> uh, they can certainly squeeze some major story out of things like The Cimmerillion. So I think that as far as does the content exist, is there stuff there? Yeah. There is. Okay. Are they going to be able to execute it well? Are people going to care? Do pe people want to see it? That remains to be seen. Um, but I think if I was a studio and I was looking at, I mean, this happens a lot uh, at the Canadian studio that I work for. Uh, they have a whole list of here's all the properties that we own the rights to. Yeah. When I worked at Hasbro, one of my first jobs as an executive was to go through here is everything that we have the rights to some defunct toy brands, some old 80s TV series. And you kind of go through and you're like, you're basically like panning for gold. You're like, is there something in here that like we can make something out of? And so when you're going through your list at Warner Brothers and you've got Middle Earth, you're like, yeah, we should do something with Middle Earth. <laughs> are you saying you're a 49er as a development executive? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you just go, like, oh, what do we got here? Oh, oh, look. It's the Popples and Rose Petal place. Let's make some shit happen. Like, <laughs> um, I do want to give some love uh, to uh, J.R.R. Jokin, which is a hilarious Twitter uh, handle. <laughs> this was their response to it. This they, They've already released the titles for the new movies and the shows. This is going to be the release of all these shows and TV and movies. Um, so a very funny play on, you know, Marvel announcing 7,500 shows at once. So I thought it was really funny. But a lot of people are having are having a little bit of a reaction. They're saying, like, let those films lie. I think people are still burned by season eight of Game of Thrones and kind of half of season, season seven where they go off the source material we see in last of us about uh, neil Druckmann and others involved in the production the the on the on the series side of things with craig mason said that they're not going to do anything that isn't the source material so there's got there's going to be questions here about how much they can do will they capture the magic and peter jackson and fran wash and philip boyan say we're monitoring this issue we've been kept informed kept abreast of everything that's happening so, but they don't say like, yeah, we're totally in, we're signed up, get us going. So do you think they're working on a deal with them? Or do you think this is more a matter of like um, positioning and what have you? Because we saw with Superman or we saw with DC, like he brought in James Gunn and Peter Safran. That's what Zaslov did. Is Zaslov going to go away from Peter Jackson, away from Fran Washington, both of Boyans? and bring in new people, like Denis Villeneuve, maybe. I saw some people suggesting Guillermo del Toro's Lord of the Rings. Is there someone else out there that they want to bring in other than Peter Jackson, who did six movies, by the way, for Middle Earth? You, you have to recognize the Hobbit movies. 
So is there someone else that you guys think they might be looking at, or will Peter Jackson come back? I, I if I'm reading between the lines of the of the Variety article, yeah. Uh, let me go to it right here where he says, <laughs> "What is it? That, what is it?" Peter Jackson says he says. Uh, we have been, we had, they have kept us in the loop every step of the way. We look forward to speaking with them further to hear their vision for the franchise moving forward. That to me means Warner brothers is like, we should get Peter Jackson because that'll be big news. And they're probably talking, but no deals have been signed or no deals have been done. So mm-hmm. everyone is just being very polite right now and saying, Oh yeah, no, they're keeping us in the loop. Oh yeah, no, we don't know because they can't say yes or no yet. But yes, I am sure uh, that when you look at the success financially yeah. of both trilogies, you look at the, the absolute success of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy, which we all love yeah. mostly. Uh, and then you look at the Hobbit trilogy, which we don't all love, but it made a lot of money. Warner Brothers would be dumb to not at least go to Peter Jackson first and say, look, do we want to team up? Like, do you want to do the Cimmerillion? Do we like if like yeah. if they came out and said Peter Jackson is doing the Cimmerillion trilogy, everybody would go fuck. I'm in. Let's go. Yeah. Like, let's do it. But probably deals haven't been signed. Things haven't been done yet. So everyone's just being very polite right now because maybe they will, or maybe Peter Jackson and everyone will sit down and Fran Boyle will sit down with uh with everyone at Warner Brothers and go, yeah, no, we ain't we ain't into this. We don't want it. And then it will be Guillermo del Toro or Denny Villeneuve or somebody else. So I think uh, I think that's probably open ended right now. Um, But they would be dumb, in my opinion, not to at least try to make that happen. I mean, do you look. No, I guess not. I mean, I thought never mind. Uh, uh, Shannon, what are your thoughts? Do you think Peter Jackson comes back or do you think there may be like Michael says, uh, angling in certain ways or posturing in certain ways just in case they might be brought back? Do you think maybe Zaslav is looking outside of Peter Jackson, or do you think he's trying to make it happen with Peter Jackson here to get everybody back on board? I think they're looking at all possibilities. Okay. Um, I, I think if Peter Jackson were to go to them and be like, I'm in, I'm on board, Let, let's do the Silmarillion as a trilogy, I think they would absolutely say yes. Um, you know, Peter Jackson wasn't going to direct The Hobbit. <laughs> I mean, that was yes, going to be right. Guillermo del Toro for a long time, but Peter Jackson was going to be there in a producer capacity. Um, and it was only when schedules kind of got uh, got uh, messed up that he he stepped in. So part of me thinks that he probably doesn't want to go back and direct it. Like he's he's told six movies in Middle Earth. I think he or uh, he's told six stories. He he's he's pretty much he's pretty good. Um, but I could see them trying to install him in some sort of James Gunn, Peter Safran type role. Like mm. have him be sort of you know the Godfather, the overseer of everything Middle Earth for Warner Brothers. Like that. I could see that being a, a distinct possibility. And I think it would probably be uh, exciting for Peter Jackson to usher in like a new generation of filmmakers who are going to tell new stories in Middle Earth. Yeah, I mean, we saw that with Favreau and Filoni bringing in new directors uh, for uh, Mandalorian over the last two seasons, certainly a third season as well. And we see that happening to a degree here. And so, yeah, it could be that. And plus, I mean, it's how long it's been since uh, like 10 years, 10, 12 years since he went back into Middle Earth. Also, the idea of going back into those marshlands and the cold of New Zealand at his advanced age with some of the physical issues he's had. How much does he really want to go into that? I mean, look, the doc, the last two things he did were documentaries where he's sitting in a nice, comfortable editor's chair, sitting there editing the Beatles documentary, which was incredible. <laughs> and uh, those who came back or they never came back, that that documentary about World War II. So he's been doing that for the last eight years 
not to 10 years. So how excited would he actually be to be back out in the marshlands? And are we bringing back Elijah? Are we, is this like, you know, Frodo later? Is the, are we in Samwise? Uh, and, and the, the chronicles of Samwise being married and the tough life of being married and kids. Oh God. Are we, we seen Pippi oh, and, Ma- and, and Are we done with this? So I, whether or not it's Peter Jackson or not, I am relatively sure they are going to stick towards the massive amount of material that already exists that they okay. have not mined. Okay. If they all of a sudden come out and be like, you see the trailer and it's like, uh, <laughs> Guys, should we go on one more big adventure? You'd be like, nope. <laughs> nope. You see the trailer, and all of a sudden, Gollum's hand comes out of Mount Doom, and he didn't actually die. He somehow survived. The return of Gollum. Like, the no. The return of Gollum. It writes itself. It writes precious. The return of Gollum. It writes itself. Do you see any dangers in this situation? Because, I mean... The, are, are they in danger of diluting the brand? I guess I want to ask you guys to wrap up this topic because they talked about <laughs> video games. They talked about park rides, theme park rides. They've talked about they want to expand this thing out, kind of like what, as you said, Michael, earlier, Disney's has done with Marvel. We see the theme park rides. We see all the stuff that's going on. Avatar with Pandora, that, that land you can go into. Are they in danger of diluting the brand by turning it into a commercial thing even more so than it's already been. What do you guys think? I mean, we we just did our spoiler review of the 31st Marvel movie, and we're about to go in on Mandalorian Season 3 along with the 98 other Star Wars shows that are in existence. I don't think the six movies in one season of TV has diluted Middle Earth yet. <laughs> I'm just, all right, fair enough. I just worried about a theme park ride of, you know, Frodo's flume or something. What, what do you Yeah, think it's going to be those barrels from the Hobbit movies. Oh. We're going to put us all in <laughs> barrels and send us down the river. You know that is that I is tailor made for a theme park ride. Look, I th- I, th- I think a, I think a Middle Earth theme park, like ha- having a dedicated Ooh. land, whether it would be Disney or Universal, I think that would be fantastic. I mean, you know, th- there there is so much that has happened just in the six movies. Yeah. There's so much that has happened that you can you could go in and, and you know re-experience these moments from like a from a a moving vehicle in in a, in a water ride. Like there th- there's a lot of really really cool stuff there. I mean, in terms of diluting the brand. I think when things start to not do well, then they're like, ah, okay, let's put this on the shelf and not yeah. and, and not revisit it. Because even though like I didn't care for the Hobbit movies, they still made a bunch of money. Yes, so, did. you know, people are going to keep coming back. Yeah. Yeah. If it is a theme park attraction, there's a lot of roles that Shannon could play. Oh, my God. Wow. How do you let him get away with this? Suck 2 says, uh, Precious 2, The Return of Gollum, 2025. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Put it on the calendar. Put it on I the just calendar. really want – I want a trailer where Samwise turns to Frodo and says, it's all about family, Mr. Frodo. That's what I want. It's all about family. <laughs> this is oh also God. why Vogel doesn't act anymore because of his stellar accent work. Oh, L-O-T-R. X. It was a low blow, Shannon, but I shouldn't be surprised. Oh, Jesus. Crashing County says another new news thing that dropped from that WB call was a Mortal Kombat 12 coming this year to probably coincide with the sequel to that bad 2021 film. Yeah, I have Mortal Kombat 11 for the um, uh, PS5. It's a nice kind of half an hour thing I can play to keep my mind off other things that I'm doing. So a Mortal Kombat 12 I'm excited uh, for, but not a Mortal Kombat sequel. I 
I visited that set. I was lied to by that director. And when I saw that movie, I was just like, this is bullshit. This is a terrible fucking movie. So Ooh, uh, that movie was rough. That movie was that, rough. Right? You can't even find anything to defend on that movie. Uh, I mean, the Australian actor who played Kano. You can defend okay, that fine. guy. That guy was pretty funny. 100%. 100%. But I mean, what a colossal waste of some fantastic actors uh, in, in that movie. So, yeah. Mortal Kombat 12, you guys excited about this? Do you guys play this? I know you guys play Injustice, but Mortal Kombat, do you guys play that on your respective no, systems? No, okay. no. I, I do not want another Mortal Kombat game. I want them to do Injustice 3. <laughs> I, want, I want more of the exact same gameplay with different characters from the DC universe. I mean, but Stallone Rambo was in the last one against Terminator. That was pretty cool. All right. I mean, uh, that's yeah. pretty cool. But, you know, there are so many characters, uh, DC characters that they have not done that would work great in Injustice. Like like Plastic Man. How have we never gotten Plastic oh, Man in, in Injustice? Yeah, that's a good point. Who was the, who was the wife that killed... Dibney was it Sue Dibney? It was elongated Sue man. Di- that right. was elongated elongated man. Get Sue Dibney in the game. If she can kill in the comics, she can kill in the game. Uh, Vincent Zawada <laughs> said some, <laughs> somehow Gollum has returned. LOL. I love that, Vince. That was great. Uh, I I, I, th- I think I think Sue Dibney is is Ralph Dibney's special move. <laughs> she comes out from behind a corner and shakes somebody. <laughs> that would be a- <laughs> Thank you from the door. Derek Johnson has always enjoyed to watch you guys. Roka, sorry about yesterday. Jeff got me fired up. Oh, don't sweat it, Derek. We love you on the show, man. And he told you that he loved you on the show, too. So he said, I do respect him a lot. What franchise would you all like to see revived and made more of? I'm dying for a Back to the Future franchise. Watch Shannon's face here. Watch Shannon respond to that one. <laughs> no, huh? No more. You're done. Um, you know, at one point, I think I think there would have been. I think you could have done a Back to the Future verse, a Hill Valley verse. Uh, but now, I would I would say maybe leave it alone. But you know, something uh, you know, a, a great '80s TV franchise that they've ne- that they've tried and they've never been able to to get mm-hmm. going again is Knight Rider. Like you oh, know, yeah. somebody yeah. in a talking car. Like how how no one has been able to you know, make a really, really kind of good follow-up series or, or a good film adaptation. Also, uh, The Last Starfighter. Like, like yeah. I know that there have been attempts made to kind of revisit that, especially in the age where we're bringing back, um, you know, you know, characters or uh, actors from the original, from the yeah. original films. Yeah. Like, you know, I would love to see, uh, what is it, Alex? What's his last name, Vogel? Alex, the, the main character. In, well, yeah. Alex. Grown up, grown up, Alex. I would love to see grown up Alex, you know, come back down to earth and and recruit a new generation of starfighters. Yeah, I don't know if that actor's still alive. Michael, what are your thoughts on this? You got any any franchise? You know, I it's funny because like I, you know, I'm in a position like like I never Ooh. knew that I was going to work on Strawberry Shortcake. Uh, right. I I went and met with Wild Brain, and they're like, "Hey, we've got Strawberry Shortcake. Like, what would you do?" So. Back to the Future, you just kind of got me. Like, I'm like, well, what would you do? Like, you wouldn't, you're not going to reboot it. Like, you're not going to do a new Doc Brown and new Marty McFly. Like, nobody, like, it's it's Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. Right. But there, you don't want to, like, bring them back necessarily. Like, how do you, how would, so, like, it's sort of like, I get really intrigued. I mean, I'm, I'm with Shannon 100% on Last Starfighter. I think that is just ripe for a reboot or a remake. Yeah. Also because, like, the original is not that great. It's a great concept. 
And if you grew up in the 80s, you watch it. But if you watch it now, that movie ain't great. Which is actually incredible, kind incredible of, theme, incredible theme, incredible music. theme, incredible theme. But it's like, but that's that's what's better for Back to the Future is so beloved you. that you have to tread carefully. Whereas something like Last Starfighter, um, it's kind of like what they did with Battlestar Galactica back in the day. Like Battlestar Galactica was a cool show in its time, but the reboot had a lot of leeway to uh, take liberties that nobody was gonna get super upset about and created something that was really, in my opinion, one of the most fantastic TV shows out there. So okay. I'm trying to think, but um, I, I don't know. Like there's a lot of things that, uh, that if, you, if, you, if you threw it on my plate and told me to come up with a concept, I would, uh, I would, I would come back. I'm, I'm still gonna ponder this Back to the Future thing and argue with Shannon about it later. So we'll get back to you. <laughs> I mean, well, just about everything is coming back, right? I mean, we're getting a new Percy Jackson. We just had a National Treasure uh, series, series. And, and, yeah, and uh, we got we just had a new Matrix. We've I'm, we've got to have a new Terminator. I'll tell you what, this is a, a kind of crazy out of the box one. I don't know how we don't have the Godfather series. I mean, I, I think that's something that could. I mean, as Shannon and I got to the remember Godson the show. Shannon the has Godson. Spoken, yeah, the... <laughs> guys. The Godson. <laughs> no, but you know, uh, Shannon has been pushing me to watch the offer, and I, I gotta, go, I gotta get to that this weekend, probably. Um, and that a lot of people really enjoyed that series, exploring the making of the Godfather. So there's still a taste for the Godfather. Kenya and Coppola's still around. I don't want Coppola to do it for God's Any sake, fortress. but it, certainly the possibility there. of opening the door to Michael's kids, to or Michael's kids' kids, rather his grandkids, Vincent's kids. What do we got here? I want to see maybe a Godfather series that could be like a 10-episode HBO Max gritty series that could be fun to explore to revive that a little bit more and explore it from a current point of view. So uh, that's my thoughts there. Oh, B.A. Turner in the chat, a live-action Gargoyle film. Man, oh, oh. that would be pretty cool. I will tell you right now. I will tell you right now, and I have told Greg Weissman this. I... I would give anything to work on live action or animated a reboot of Gargoyles. Yeah. I think Gargoyles is one of the greatest things that has not been rebooted with all the things that have come back out. It is such a banger of a story. It is yeah. so good. Yeah. Somewhere Greg Weinstein was like, oh, he woke up and, and there was a ready to go. Uh, SJC360 says, after seeing Wicked last night, I want a show about Oz and outside of Oz. Everything that happened outside the, the Ozverse. Yeah, what do you guys think? Well, we had, uh, yeah, we had that so many. <laughs> go ahead. We had, Oz, we had Oz the Great and Powerful, uh, <laughs> which had a stellar performance by Michelle Williams in it. I agree. Agree. I think that... Um, there's so much material. Again, like there's so many of those uh, Frank L. Baum stories um, that kind of got us to return to Oz back in the 80s and there's a bunch of other characters. And yeah. I think there is a really compelling case to be made for that is untapped potential. That is a world that everybody knows, that everyone's familiar with. And, you know, we've got the original Wizard of Oz, which is beloved. Yeah. We've got Return to Oz, which if you grew up in the 80s, terrified the shit out of you. Yes. And we've got Wicked, which also is beloved, and we've got the two Wicked movies coming out. So, yes, Shannon's right. We also have Oz the Great and Powerful, which was not great. But uh, but I do think that there is some take on Oz that could be really, really compelling. We've seen a number of TV series. I remember um, Zoe Deschanel was Dorothy in one of those series for sci-fi. I remember that. Uh, Derek Johnson also say, what about Doc Brown's kids starting a new story? They stumble upon the time machine. It's certainly possible. 
crossover. They they meet Bill and Ted. Oh boy, and Men in Black. <laughs> and Men in Black. Why not? What um, are the what are the kid? What are his kids' names? Jules it's, and uh, Vern. Jules and Vern. Jules and Vern. By the way, it, and it was not great. I went back and watched some of it on YouTube. But when I was a kid, I loved that Back to the Future animated series. Oh, right. That was, that was uh, Doc Brown, Marty, Jules and Vern, and Einstein, like, going on all kinds of crazy adventures. Like, it was fun. Yeah. Poor Marty. Uh, sucked. Got to bring back Alf. Alf. I want to, like, I want to bring back Alf, but make it, like, the thing. Like, just go dark with it. <laughs> Why not? I just said Winnie, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, so you could do Alf, a dark Alf. I'm down. Alien Yo. life form. Hide your cats. Here comes Gordon Shumway. Do you remember when he was going to host a late night show after the sitcom yes. went off the air in the 80s? Like, that was the plan, is that he was going to be the new late night host. That would have been how they never had, like, a proper, you know, Muppet <laughs> Muppet late night show. <laughs> always, always frustrated me. Alf, stop eating the neighbor, Alf. Um, all right, let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll jump into some more stuff here, or our next topic here right after this. Oh, what were we talking about? No, I don't remember. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's Rogers, I'll tell you what we're talking about. Hey, uh, damn it! <laughs> if you are a fan of musicals, and you are a fan of superheroes... Disney California Adventure has got your back because in the theater that formerly had the Aladdin show and the Frozen show, we have got a one-act Rogers the Musical coming soon to Avengers Campus at California Adventure. Um, this is going to be fantastic. <laughs> I am so excited. Uh, you know, like, here's the thing. When, when when Hawkeye came out and they all went to see Rogers the Musical and you had that whole big song that they had written, yeah. that would not have been a great actual musical. It was a little <laughs> bit too, like, like, I, like, that's not the musical you really want to see in real life right. Right. Uh, that's about Steve Rogers and the Avengers. But, because the, the lyrics were a little too tongue-in-cheek about the Battle of New York, but to go see a one-act at California Adventure that is that version of Rogers the Musical is such a brilliant idea and I can't wait and I'm in. I'm in. I'm gonna go get my little tequila drink and my oversized pretzel at Pim's <laughs> Cafe. I'm gonna take a little stroll around Avengers Campus. I'm gonna go try and beat my high score on the Spider-Man ride. I'm gonna go drop myself down in uh, the Guardians ride and then I'm gonna go see Rogers the Musical. <laughs> Shannon, what are your thoughts on Rogers the Musical? I mean, this is one of those ideas that it's it's shocking that it took them this long. Oh, yeah, that sure. like that, like they like what Hawkeye came out Christmas twenty one. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think it, having a version, a one act version of Rogers the Musical playing at Disneyland or excuse me, Disney uh, California Adventure, um, that seems like a no brainer to me. And the fact yeah. that uh, that uh, uh, Peggy Carter. Uh, could be showing up in some capacity, maybe just in the audience. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this makes me happy. Also, I want to direct you guys into the chat real quick. Oh, An yeah. old friend of mine from Orlando who lives in Norway, his name's Jim Udenberg. He just popped up to say hello. Jim is a uh, very, very accomplished makeup artist who some of his work was just seen in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. So what? if you want to see what else Jim has done. Yeah, he's, he designed wow. a few of the characters. I think uh, Bill, Ma Bill Murray's uh, main guy. Um, 
Oh, nice. Uh, Jim Jim designed some of those characters. So if anybody's curious, his name's Jim Udenberg. If you want to go over to IMDb, you can see all the stuff that he's done. He's really, really an accomplished makeup artist and, and a good dude who I've not seen in probably more than 20 years. But wow. hey, Jim. Good to see you, Jim. Thanks for stopping in and great work on the Ant-Man of the Wasp Quantumania stuff for sure. Um, I, You know, this is a no-brainer. 100%. I love it. And you're right, Mike. That musical wouldn't have worked for what they actually wanted to produce. That was supposed to be a tongue-in-cheek knockoff that you would see in, in a Broadway attempt at doing a show like that. So I like that it worked with the smirky attitude of the Hawkeye series. So it worked for that. So if you're going to do it for real and want people to come in and enjoy it, you're going to spend a little more time. Now, remember, they did do We Saved the City at D23, I think, last year. So they, they have done it before. And I wonder if that song is going to be or not be in the music oh, in some it. way. Sure. Do you think it's got to be in there? Oh, 100%. oh I mean, well, oh, okay. first of all, first of all, it already exists. And it is a full song, so yeah. they've got it. I mean, I'm sure they just built the rest of the musical around it, but that's the big, uh, like, I wouldn't be surprised if that was even, like, the big finale, like, that you kind of did, like, uh, it's, like, it's Rogers the musical, and it's, like, him, it's basically the story of Captain America 1. Yeah. And kind of gets you into Avengers, and, like, I mean, it. it's just going to be, and, and I, I got to say, you know, I just took my niece to Disneyland for the first Ooh. time I moved me to California Adventure, and they do such a great job. Uh, Cal I mean, Avengers Campus is growing. When it first opened, you were kind of like, oh, this is it. This is all that's there. And Guardians had already been there for a while. But as they've expanded it, and especially after COVID protocols have lifted and the characters can kind of walk around, I mean, it really is this promise of, like, I was walking around with my niece and Spidey walked by and stopped to mm -hmm. talk to her. And we ran into uh, Sam Wilson in his cap outfit. Then like a bunch of uh, Dora Milaje were fighting some people on top of what's gonna be the Avengers ride. And my niece was like, she, like it, for her, it was like seeing celebrities. Yeah. So adding this, I think is gonna be a nice expansion of the Avengers campus for sure. Wait till she yeah. gets to the Geek Buddies, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, to, to echo Vogel's point, I mean, in terms of theme park, like there's not a ton to do, right. but as a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan, I can go there and just sit for five hours. Wow. I mean, it it yeah. is so much fun. Like they have the themes on a constant loop. You're hearing the Spidey theme. You're hearing the Guardians theme. You're hearing the Ant-Man theme. You're hearing the Doctor Strange theme. You're hearing the Avengers theme. Right. It's just someplace that I love to go. Like if we're at California Adventure and be like, all right, let's take a break. Let's sit down at PIMS at PIMS uh, test lab. Have a have a drink and just and just chat. And yes, you'll see you know Thor walking by. You'll see right. Loki walking by. They have done Disney has done a really really good job at um, using everything on the MCU table. I mean, when Loki yeah. came out, he was switching costumes. Like he was in his classic costume. He was in his TVA jacket. I mean, he, I think I think they had uh, Mayor Loki out at one point. I mean, it's just it's just so much fun for stuff for a fan just to sit and watch. It's yeah. great. Respect. Um, let's see here. Let's hit some of these uh, before we move on to our next topic. JMB says studio CEOs Roka Vogel and McClung are all in charge of bringing back an old IP or inventing a new one. What are you bringing back or inventing? Mm. 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 What you got, Shannon? Well, this was something that did not really work in the 80s, but I feel like now kids have progressed uh, to a certain point. But I think a uh, reboot of the Monster Squad. 
I think, mm. you know, the Monster Squad, you watch it now. It is not a great movie. It's about 86 minutes. Um, but the idea of a bunch of precocious kids fighting Universal's classic monsters, uh, you know, that that seems like a, an idea that, uh, especially now, like, you know, yeah. we're seeing a lot of properties where, you know, kid empowerment that I, I think would be a lot of fun. And uh, uh, going back and looking at the movie, like it was kind of like a hard PG-13, whereas now it would be a very hard PG or a soft PG-13 at most. Uh, yeah, I think I think a Monster Squad reboot would be fun. Um, I would have to create the entire image catalog. I mean, I would love to do a Savage Dragon live action film. I would love to do, uh, what, Wildcats. I'd love to do... Um, I know they did the max on that old MTV animated series or a compilation of animated stuff that they did. I, I would love to open the door. Death Blow, a lot of image uh, titles that I think are not mined yet. And I would love to convince these guys to let me go off and create that as a separate part of our brand. I would do it in a heartbeat because I think there's a lot of stuff to explore, especially as we see the boys and more R rated stuff be consumed and celebrated in our uh, comic book fandom, I think there's a lot of darker edges to the image stuff that I think would be a lot of fun. Um, I mean, people have to lift a lot of weights, but I think it would be a lot of fun to explore that, in my opinion. Yeah, Jim Lee did great stuff on on uh, image stuff as well. Michael, what do you bring it back or, or invent? Um, I would like to... Oh, there's, there's so many. I'm just trying to narrow it down. Um, oh, no, I know what it is. Okay. Uh, Pirates of Darkwater, guys. Pirates of Darkwater. Okay. If you know, you know. Uh, it was Space it was Pirates. A, it was uh yeah, it was a 80s cartoon, a late 80s, maybe early 90s. Oh, Pirates wow. of Darkwater never quite finished, but epic swashbuckling adventure in an alien world, a uh, big overarching story, really cool action figures, and it just never it never quite lived up to its potential, but first of all, Pirates of Darkwater is a fucking banger name. Okay. Uh, yeah, and some really compelling characters, and that would be something... Again, it's kind of in that last Starfighter vein of something that came out that people who remember it remember it fondly, but not so good that you couldn't take a, you couldn't take a lot of liberties and really kind of update it for today's audience. Hmm. Okay. And uh, two folks in the chat, like I'm kicking myself for not bringing this up, uh, but All in the Game and Sterling Jones both uh, mentioned The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, yeah. is such a, you know, the first two volumes of that are so, so good. And the movie is a, is a movie that happened. They should turn that <laughs> and, into a fucking series, man. Uh, I, I agree with you 100%, dude. Oh, someone said romancing the stone. That could be a lot of fun uh, to explore for sure. Um, I mean, what was um the Sandra Bullock movie that just came out? The city, oh, yeah, the Lost City. The, Lost oh, City the Lost is, City. Yeah. The Lost City is basically yeah. a modern day romancing the stone. So oh, it's not strictly, it's not exactly a remake, but when you watch it, you're like, oh yeah, they're, they're basically just riffing on romancing the stone here. Yeah. No, I'm science saying Eli Roth's Alf. Yes, absolutely. I mean, guys, Put man, I'm in on it. Put that on it. <laughs> Kimberly Foster also reminding us, you're forgetting the whiz. Amazing play, crappy, crazy movie, totally needs to be run. Redone. Sorry, I don't have any money. Oh no, Kimberly, it's totally fine. Yeah, I wouldn't say a crappy movie. Yeah, it I is definitely a crazy movie. But I that movie, that movie has a batshit crazy charm to it that cannot yeah. be denied. I mean, I love the songs. He's on down the road. Oh, is yeah. great. And uh, slide some well right to me. The Nipsey Russell song is great, and that yeah, end song is dark as fuck with uh, 
with the witch there. That is some dark shit going on with the, with everything they got going on. So yeah, I, I think that movie has a special charm to it as well. Um, let's see. Arnold Dawn says uh, with Brendan Fraser in the news and Rachel Weisz in Black Widow, it's time for a new mummy movie. I mean, you couldn't sign me up fast enough to see that. I, I have no love for that franchise. <laughs> that is mind blowing to me. Considering what you enjoy, I am so blown away that you don't like the mummy stuff. I, I considering what I enjoy, I was I was massively disappointed by the mummy. Oh, that it was okay. it was very. Uh, they had they had the right concept with very poor execution, in my opinion. Now, I know a lot of people love those movies, but they were not they were not for me. Michael. Oh uh, yes, Melvin Maya Silverhawks. Silverhawks, and then it's lesser known offshoot, not offshoot, but it's lesser known uh, series in that vein, Tiger Sharks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who caught the tiger by, tiger by the tail? Hold on. Tiger Sharks. Ba-da. Tiger Sharks. Ba-da. It was like there was Thundercats was like yeah. the A tier. Silverhawks was like tier B. Yeah. And then Tiger Sharks was just holding on down here at the bottom, but... <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough uh let's see we got a stream a couple of stream lines came through here clarence bell says no question just a little token of my appreciation lots of love from panama city panama uh, gracias guys i appreciate that jake the nerd says you guys rock can't listen now because i gotta work but will later ready for your thoughts on picard episode two and a man a plumber any news on a secret invasion release date in the words of willy wonka the suspense is killing me lol um, we did record our Picard episode two review earlier this morning. Yes, this morning. So we will be dropping it later on this afternoon. So look for that for sure. Uh, I don't know anything about Secret Invasion release date. Do you, have you guys heard anything or seen anything? No, I imagine. Mm-hmm. I imagine they're kind of uh, waiting to. Like, I, I think that with Iger kind of taking the reins from JPEG, they're trying to like space things out. It seems like spacing out is the new theme at Disney. So I think yeah. uh, right now Disney Plus is very much in its uh, full steam ahead on Mandalorian. Yeah. And I think once Mandalorian is a little bit underway, they're going to be like, by the way, guys, secret secret invasion coming in two weeks or something. They're going to surprise us. Probably, yeah. Do you think they'll push it? Like, I know it was supposed to be spring, but do you think they'll push it past Guardians since the Marvels is now in November? Like, maybe push it to, like, July, June or July? I think so. I I think they really are. I, I Look, we talked about Quantumania a lot in our Quantumania spoiler review, and we talked about what worked about it and what didn't work about it, but... Even though I, even though I, I personally enjoyed Quantumania more than some of the Phase Four stuff that disappointed me, mm. I know in general a lot of people right now are not um, as on board with the MCU as they have been in the past, yeah. and I think Disney and Marvel are aware of that, and they're aware that quality is one part of that, but I think just tonnage mm-hmm. is another part. I mean, to Roka's point about saturation with Middle Earth, like Marvel is in danger of getting a little saturated. So even though they have these things that we are excited about, yeah. I think that, you know, maybe getting a new Marvel property every month is not the thing to sustain us. Maybe a little bit of a weight is going to, uh, maybe absence will make the heart grow fonder. It's usually the way it works. Yeah, I mean, maybe they have to space this stuff out. And tell you what, with some of the residue of phase four in people's mouths and some people, a lot of people seeming to not like quantum mania, maybe a break isn't a bad thing, you know, and like taking the time and slowing things down. And so it's, you get to be hyped up and anticipated again, because there's been enough time for you to forget the bad taste in your mouth from what you just saw 
so you can dive into something new and give it a shot again. So it may be what's happening with Secret Invasion. They may push it. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we had the news that they, they're pushing it to later. We'll see. One last super chat that came, or stream lab that came through here. Uh, first of all, Philly G, thank you very much for donating. Kind of you. Matthew Hannon says, I would love to see a new take on Sword of Truth series by Terry Goodkind, done in movie or TV form. I haven't read much of it. There was a briefly a Legend of the Seeker TV show that was excellent, in my opinion. I, I, I've i seen the Terry, when I used to manage bookstores, I saw the Terry Goodkind stuff always there. I don't know too much about it. Do you guys know much about it? And would you want to see a version of this? Oh, Oh yeah, uh, Terry Goodkind. I don't, so here's my thing. Uh, I Ooh. absorbed yeah. those books. Okay. Uh, I was all about those sort of truth books. Richard Rawl was my homie. Like I was into wow. all of it. I thought they were really, really cool. Uh, I did not think that that Seeker of Truth series was particularly great. And Terry Goodkind. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about J.K. Rowling and some of the stuff she said. Terry Goodkind does not do himself any favors sometimes when he talks. Uh, and okay. the interesting thing about the Sword of Truth series is there was a lot of stuff that I thought was really cool and progressive uh, when I was younger. Yeah. But as I got older and revisited it, some of the things in those books, particularly uh, some of the characterizations around some of the women characters, okay, uh, got a little, I don't know how I feel. But that okay. being said, I do think that there is a lot of really interesting stuff. It's a really fun fantasy series. There's like mm -hmm. a lot of really cool concepts about magic. Um, and it has all the elements that Star Wars and all other high, it's, it's very Joseph Campbell yeah. in the way that it's all sort of laid out. So. Is there a world where we could really kind of take that sort of true series and adapt it for a modern audience? I think there is, mm -hmm. but I don't know that, um, again, thinking about just all the stuff we talk about with J.K. Rowling and the Harry Potter franchise, I don't I don't know that Terry Goodkind is going to be the best ambassador for his own brand. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, well, let's take a quick break, and we'll jump into our last topic before we get into our main topic, which is talking about James Gunn's opinions on Superman, including up to today, he's been releasing stuff on Twitter. So we'll be get we'll be right back right after this. I can do this all day. Um, and all right, you Shannon, do, what do you got? For us? Your turn. Your turn. <laughs> so we found out from Deadline just recently that uh, The Walking Dead and Minari Stephen Yoon is going to be joining Marvel's Thunderbolt. So they've not said what the role is. Specifics of the role are being kept secret. But it's supposed to be a significant role and one that will likely continue past Thunderbolts. So already people are speculating who is Stephen Yoon playing. Now, some folks are going to uh, uh, the rumored uh, Sentry character that mm. he, he could he could wow. potentially be the rumored big bad. The reason that the Thunderbolts have to come together is to is to stop Sentry. Uh, Stephen Yoon at five nine to play a Superman like character. It could happen. Another character that they're throwing around is uh, Amadeus Cho at thirty nine. It's a little old for Amadeus Cho, but uh, across the board, Stephen Yoon is a really, really fantastic actor. If you did not see his Academy Award-nominated performance in Minari, wow. um, check that out. That is a really, it's a small movie, but it's a really, really good movie. Um, yeah, and he also has a show coming out on Netflix uh, called Beef that I believe he's doing with Ali 
Wong that um, I read for a couple of roles and read the scripts. And it's it, if they pull it off, it's going to be another really, really good performance. But gentlemen, what do you think? Steven Yoon, Glenn, is joining the MCU. What do you think? Um, I love this idea because I love him as an actor. Certainly enjoyed him in uh, in uh, The Walking Dead and, 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 and the voice in Invisible, Invincible. Fantastic job he did there as well, uh, acting-wise. So having him be a part of another superhero franchise, another franchise, I think is a very smart move. He's a multifaceted actor, and as you said, Shannon, him being nominated already puts him in another sphere in terms of the kind of character that his team uh, would be looking at putting him in. So I don't think it's a one-off. I don't think he's going to uh, be just a character for the film. I think they're they're looking at a long-term thing with him. And why not? As we're seeing more and more uh, actors of color, more and more black actors, Asian actors, you know, certainly this year with a lot of uh, Asian actors nominated for Oscars, it's a great thing to have yet another great Asian actor coming into a, a project like uh, the MCU. We saw with Shang-Chi really showcasing that. But here's another way outside of that. What is the role he's going to play? What is he going to be in Thunderbolts? I think it's another nice uh, layer to throw into this movie and a lot of intrigue to throw into this movie because clearly it's going to launch a number of things that are going to affect the MCU for quite a while. So I'm excited to have him being a part of it. What, what do you think here, Mike? Yeah, I was really excited about William Jackson Harper coming into the MCU for Quantumania and, uh, <laughs> and that, that, that didn't work out too great for all of us. So I, um, Cautiously optimistic. I, I agree with everything you guys said. I think Steven Yoon is a is a great actor. Yeah. And I would love for him to kind of come into the MCU in a major role that kind of really got to feature him and 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 gave him some runway to do some stuff. You know, the the, the MCU is so packed right now and there's so much going on. I don't know. Okay. I on the one hand, having him play a character that was going to hulk out like an Amadeus Cho seems cool, but I agree with Shannon. I think he's way too old for at least the way Amadeus Cho is portrayed in the comics. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, it'll be interesting okay. to see, but at this point, when these announcements come out and we all get really excited and we start, oh, he's going to be this, he's going to be this, and then he ends up being like, oh, he's on Val's team and he's part of the new version of whatever S.H.I.E.L.D. is and that's who he... You know, it's like, I, I just think that... Uh, it's probably not who any of us think it is. Okay. Well, I mean, also a lot of people were saying uh, him from Amadeus Cho because he's of South Korean descent and so is Amadeus Cho. So you could make that yeah. connective tissue uh, for sure. And, uh, you can mess with ages, can't you? I mean... Uh, you can uh, mess with ages, but yeah. Hollywood traditionally isn't... I mean, as as when you look at what they're doing and kind of who they're casting to line up their... Because Amadeus Cho isn't a young Avenger. No, but he right. is in the champions with Miss Marvel and Miles Morales and other people. And so I think when you're looking at this whole sort of like, um, uh, you know, the new Hawkeye stature, uh, Hulkling, yeah. Wiccan, Ironheart, Miss Marvel, when you have a character who is your young genius Hulk, yeah, you're probably going to cast someone who's going to be your young genius Hulk, not your 39 year old young uh, genius Hulk. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, some other speculation here are Atlas or Fixer. So it could be part of that. But that doesn't seem like a significant role, either one of those that would stretch out into multiple movies, whereas Avenue's Cho could be that for sure. And there's even rumors about him maybe looking at him for Doctor Doom. That would be a huge surprise to go with Stephen Yoon for Doctor Doom. I'd be very interested to see them going that route. So, uh, yeah. He's a, he's a really likable guy. I know, I know. <laughs> I know what I'm saying. <laughs> 
you know, uh, yeah. Plus, he does comedy really well. So, like, is the She-Hulk thing an aspect of this as well down the road? I don't know. So, a lot of interesting stuff. Um, let's see if I got any more stream. Oh, we got any more Streamlabs or Super Chats? No, just one Super Chat came through here. It's from SJC360. Has anyone read the comic Rising Stars by J. Michael Straczynski? Could, could, would make a great HBO show. I have not. Hey, gentlemen? It would. There's, there's a, you know, there's, there are still a few kind of superhero unit, like, like superhero universes that people don't know as much as DC and Marvel mm. and Image and other stuff that could be spun out. The question is, what is the distinction? I mean, in a world where we have the MCU, we have the DCU, we have the boys, yeah. we have Invincible, we have so many sort of worlds that play with conventions of the superhero universe and either it's a straight down the line superhero universe or like a quirky take on a superhero universe that what would make and this is the question you would ask like if somebody yeah. like if you went into hbo or anything with and you were like, hey i've got the rights to rising stars i've got this i've got that yeah. the real question you ask is okay well what makes this stand out in the world of superhero universes we have like why are we going to do this one i mean you know with amazon with the boys it was a very easy answer it's like yeah. we are going to do the r-rated fucked up version um, and, and with Invincible, it was, we're going to do animation, but we're going to go hard, which is right. kind of very in keeping with what they did in the comics with this sort of bright, shiny, beautiful looking comic that then got really heavy and dark. Right. And so what the real question with the rising stars is what would you do that would make it different? Good question. Good question for sure. Um, all right. Uh, let's, uh, take a quick break and we'll jump into our main topic here, uh, which is, uh, talking about all the comments around James Gunn has been making recently about, Superman, if, and if he's, we're going to debate if he's on the right path. But before I we move on to that, I just want to remind you all there are 275 of you watching right now. Thank you so much for joining us this Friday morning on the West Coast, at least. Please make sure you hit a like on this video. Leave a comment down below if you're watching later. But more than anything else, subscribe to the channel. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell button. We're trying to get to 50,000 subscribers by the end of the year. I know it's a crazy goal, but I want to see if we can make it happen. Would love for you to join the Outlaw Nation, of course, the Geek Buddies, in connection to that by subscribing to the channel down below so you can be alerted to these live shows that we do kind of randomly throughout the uh, throughout our, our time here on the Outlaw Nation channel. So uh, just a, a reminder to do that. And if you want to send in your stream labs and super chats about your thoughts on James Gunn and Superman, start doing it now because we're going to jump into this conversation here right after this break. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 That's so good. That's so good. All right, let's get into this conversation here, gentlemen. James Gunn has been offering some updates over the last few days here on Twitter and in other areas. Certainly, Zaslav spoke about James Gunn and how excited he is about him and Peter Safran. Uh, on that earnings call yesterday with the Warner Brothers Discovery, talking about how uh, he's excited to see, to see what they're going to do here with DCU. He kind of chastised the previous administration for not knowing what to do with Superman. So certainly excited about that. And Superman being the focus here of, uh, or the foundational pillar here that James Gunn is doing. In a response to a fan, he said that he's been working on Superman Legacy for six months which caused a lot of people to get upset on the internet saying like, hey, that means you and WB knew you were going to fuck over Cabell. We have him coming back. Why did you even, why did anybody let him come back to play the cameo in Black Adam if you were working on Superman Legacy? So there was some blowback to that. 
And then he also uh, talked about this. This was a quote here. Superman on film, a person I follow, he said, uh, James Gunn's comments on Superman. He's a big old galoot. He's a farm boy from Kansas who's very idealistic. His greatest weakness is that he'll never kill anybody. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to hurt a living soul. I like that sort of innate goodness about Superman. It's his defining characteristic. So, gentlemen, I turn it over to you. We've got a little bit of understanding of where James Gunn is going. He he squashed some of the rumors that Superman would have a son. He said it's not going to happen. So where do you think we're going? Is he walking the right path? And are you excited about him constantly chiming in with updates and countering some of these comments about Superman? Um, in terms of, you know, the blowback that he got, that people are saying that he jerked around Cavill, I mean, look, th that was not his call to make. <laughs> like uh, yeah, at he, time, at, you're right, yeah. yeah. Wor working, working, you know, developing a movie, that doesn't mean that movie is going to go. Right. Um, so it is not his job to get in there and say, hey, don't do this. So that that to me, that's a little bit of unfair criticism because he yeah. may have had that. He may he may have had that thought the whole time being like, are we doing this? Because, yeah. you know, you, you're you trotting out. You're trotting out Henry Cavill again. Like what's what's going on um, in terms of his point of view on who Superman is? I think that that is the absolute right way to go. Um, the perfect Superman to me is still the guy from the animated series from Justice League. Mm. Um, and that that seems like the direction he's headed that, you know, you have the most powerful being on the planet who knows he can win and win in a fight, yeah. but doesn't want to have to because he'd rather he'd rather just have you do the right thing on your own. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole fact that he's idealistic, I mean, the going to Man of Steel, like, I don't think the idea of Man of Steel was wrong at all. Mm -hmm. I think it was like, all right, let's let's put let's put him on a journey. And, you know, you can argue the results of that journey. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Man of Steel is a movie. Parts of it I still really, really like a lot. But I think if you're starting your universe with a Superman who might be younger in his career, but he is already established, you want that personality up front and center, that this is, this is the big blue Boy Scout. Um, so I think as long as, they, as long as they stick to that, you know, I mean, that's what, marvel did so well with captain america is you know they made chris evans playing noble interesting and yeah. so you hope that they can find the actor who can do that and hopefully james gunn's writing and if he directs or whoever directs that the writing and direction will support that as well yeah mike what are your thoughts on this because uh, as i said he pushed back on the he, he debunked the idea that clark would have a son um but he also said the superman legacy is not going to be an origin story uh, and that he will know some of the major characters rather than meeting them for the first time in the DCU. So he will have been established already in this DC universe. That's a bit of a amalgamation of all these things that came before, especially if you're going to keep Ezra Miller as the Flash. You're essentially still connected to the Snyderverse in some strange way. So what are your thoughts about the steps that Gunn is walking down or the path that Gunn is walking down with this approach to Superman? I mean, I think much like uh, Marvel did with Spider-Man, look, I think between the original Superman and Man of Steel and everything else, like I, I, I certainly think we don't need yet another origin story. We all know who Superman is. Right. We, right. Yeah, we know where he came from. We know what happened. We've seen Smallville. We've seen it all. Like there's just been so many versions 
that I agree that we don't need an origin story. So I think that's smart. And I think Marvel proved with Spider-Man that you can absolutely do that. And the audience is like, yeah, yeah, we get it. Let's move. Let's, let's, yeah. let's do stuff. So I think that's smart. And look, we've talked about this for years now. Like, I don't think Zack Snyder was right about Man of Steel. Like, I don't think he nailed it. And I think that that is one of the core things that ultimately was the downfall of the DCU. I know not everyone agrees with me on that, and that's super fine, like you. Um, but I just don't think that that was ever, and, and, and the proof is in the pudding that I think Zack Snyder did a lot of backpedaling after every movie. I think with Man of Steel, he went for what he went for, and then everybody freaked out that Superman killed Zod, and he kind of said after the fact, well, his decision not to kill people is a journey that he's going to realize. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Batman versus Superman came out and we're like, this is so dark. And he's like, well, this is a journey for him to get to the big blue boy scout. And there was a lot of like him saying what we were, that he kept saying we were going to get this Superman that everybody was expecting to get that we never got to. Yeah. Um, and I could be completely wrong. And I don't think that Zack Snyder is untalented, but I just think that Zack Snyder was never that interested in telling about that story about that Superman. Like, I think the Zack Snyder Superman that we got is the Superman that Zack Snyder wanted to explore. But I think that what makes Superman work in the bigger pantheon of the DC universe is, like Shannon said, it's the Superman from the animated series. Like, we've got Batman. Mm -hmm. We've got darker heroes. We've got Wonder Woman, who has all of the inspiring characteristics of Kal-El, but will absolutely kill somebody because she's an Amazon. Mm -hmm. And Superman sits very clearly in a very specific role with very specific uh, ideals, ethics, and philosophies that have been established over a long time in the comics. And I think that James Gunn is saying that's who he's going to be. So I'm on board. I'm excited about it. Now, whether he executes it great yeah. and nails it remains to be seen. But what he said about Superman to me is 100% like that's who Superman is. Yeah. It's a tough thing. I mean, because I, I, I love what Snyder did with Man of Steel. I will defend it with my dying breath. I liked the approach he was taking. As I've said before, I see it as an immigrant's point of view. And as the son of immigrants, for me, I found a lot of connection in Clark's journey and in what he's going for. I also thought it was realistic. You know, I know that uh, James Gunn says he's a big galoot from Kansas. Um, Kansas is majority what? And so, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean he's got this great idea of saving everybody and being you know trained to be this let me love everybody regardless of skin color or political orientation i like that Zack snyder brought us into the reality of a father and mother living in kansas who might have fears about the government would hide their son away for fear of what the government might do to him right we weren't in the QAnon phase of our lives at that point when Man of Steel came out, but it wasn't that long after before all this madness broke out. So the idea that you could have a mother and father protecting their child in this world because they don't want their child to be uh, prodded, poked and prodded or stolen or taken from them by a government that's afraid of this power. I thought that was more realistic. And look, in the Superman story, Lex Luthor becomes president. And essentially by pushing that idea that Superman is a threat to the world. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that but, this is a but story. That's not, but Zack Snyder didn't make that up. Like no, it's no, not like Superman. I didn't say that. But I didn't say that. But I just want to clarify that like when we're talking about Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, yeah, yeah. the idea that the Kents 
raised Superman in secret because they were afraid of what the world would think of him is not a Zack Snyder idea. Like that, whether James Gunn makes him a big galoot or not, that's always been inherently true about Superman. But there's a point of view that Jonathan Kent had in Man of Steel that Jonathan Kent does not have in uh, Richard Donner's Superman. I think that's two different points of views. They hid him away from fear of the oh, government. that's true. They hide him away because they don't want him to use his powers to advance himself over regular human beings. They want him to connect to human beings and protect human beings. With here, there's more of a fear. And I can understand why Superman traditionalists might have an issue with the Man of Steel. Always created space for that uh, when we've had our debates and conversations about it. So I'm curious. I, I, I like that he's going to be the big blue Boy Scout again. I got no problem with that. But this idea that we've got, because he's a big galoot from Kansas, we've got to automatically assume he's this guy who loves people and is always accepting of everybody, I think is a is a Norman Rockwellian falsity that I don't want to go down. I don't want to go down right. that path that we just think everybody from the Midwest is so cool with everybody. I know it. It's bullshit. Hold on. Right? I, I want to be realistic. <laughs> James, I want the balance. James Gunn, James Gunn did not come out and say all white people from Kansas are delightful and we should embrace them. Oh, he didn't Superman, come out and say it. He certainly did. Superman, come out and say it. Clark Kent, Clark Kent, Superman is the Norman Rockwell ideal of what is the best of us. Now, that doesn't mean that that is always true and that America doesn't have a darker side, but like Superman, just like Steve Rogers, yeah. like, look, you can say the same thing about the MCU. Was every white soldier in the war? a hero who was always going to jump on the grenade? No, of course not. But Steve Rogers is that. Right. And when Steve Rogers comes into modern day, he's yeah. still that. Like Steve Rogers goes through the MCU as yeah. the ideal of what we all were like, that's the kind of guy that I want to get behind. Superman is from Kansas. Mm -hmm. Superman does look at the entire world regardless of skin color as people that he wants to protect. He sees the entire earth as his home. So I don't think that James Gunn saying he's a big loot from Kansas is all of a sudden making some political statement on red states versus blue states. It's he's just saying like, this is actually who Superman is. Well, I'm throwing it out that it's the implication because people have had that ideology in their minds for decades. And the truth is that's not the actual truth. So I don't want him to default to shit from the 1940s when we as a country and as a people and as a world have moved on in 2023 to really understand what's going on in pockets of our world or in large sections of our, our country itself. I want to deal with the realistic situation of it all. I mean, if you show me a Clark Kent growing up who has an issue, has a flashback and an issue with some of the people and some of the stuff that have been, has been said by people in the Midwest, then I'm all for it. But if you ignore it, I'm going to have an issue with that. And I think that's where so I don't... liked Zack Snyder's stuff. He didn't ignore it. He leaned into it. He didn't give you the Norman Rockwell Superman. And I will say this. I think you're being a little bit unfair just to counter your point about that. I don't think he was backtracking. I, I'm in the camp that I think Zack did have a plan. Five movies from now, he would swing back around. Too many people think he hated Superman. He didn't. He wanted to create a realistic Superman who finds his way back to loving the world and loving his people because that's what his father does at the beginning his father instills in him this idea and i don't i mean uh, uh zorel instills in him this idea of caring for people of caring for his people and when he kills zod that scream for me as i've said before is about him killing his last connection to his planet and his and his father but he has the people inside of him 
So that will eventually steer him into the better place to understand his responsibility of caring for everybody. So I, I, I understand your point of view. I just don't agree. I don't know. I again, as I said, I, I always think the proof is on screen. Yeah, if the story fair. of if the story of Man of Steel was, I don't think I should kill, but I have been pushed to the brink, and I am now making this choice to kill the last part of my ties to my planet and killing yeah. Zod, but I will do it for the people, and I'm struggling with this decision. Had that been said, stated, or illustrated anywhere on screen, I would say I think you're right, yeah. but. Superman just straight up breaks Zod's neck like he's in an 80s action movie. And then oh, after the fact, Zack Snyder had to explain it to everybody. He did, he, it pained him to do it. He didn't want, he's screaming at Zod to stop. Don't do this. Don't make me do this. He is saying to him with his every ounce of his being to not make him do it. He didn't just go, fuck you, wham. It wasn't a fucking Stallone movie. He actually legitimately was pained by what he had to do. Um, but I do want to address this, just to be fair, somewhat Beth Norman coming in saying, hey, now some of us in Kansas are pretty cool. And in fact, pretty <laughs> of course, of course, I just took a look at the political landscape and there's only like three blue pockets in a massive red pocket of Kansas. And I'm but just I, saying I want to deal with I mean, the reality but, of that is what I'm saying. But, the, but Beth is right. The reality is you're, you're like you're you're saying that Superman needs to represent the entirety of everything. But Beth there is like, right, you can grow up in Kansas and be super liberal and progressive. You can grow up in Southern California and, and be, be super conservative. Of course. I'm just saying I don't want to buy into this Norman Rockwellian fallacy that we have been fed for decades in this country, that there so, was this heartland that never was racist and was always about helping everybody, when that really actually wasn't the fucking truth. And so I want to make So how sure come it's okay? So it's okay for Marvel to do it with Steve Rogers and Bucky, but it's not okay for DC to do it with He's a New York Mark? boy. What are you talking about? That's a different situation. Nobody sold New York as like a puritanical place where everybody was equal. Nobody sold New York like that. So what are you talking about, Mike? Ugh, that's my only Anyway, Shannon, we, you haven't chimed in on any of this. Anything you want to say? Well, I, there's, there's not been a, a breath <laughs> to jump in. <laughs> Well, I would say even in Richard Donner's Superman, young Clark, he doesn't have the best experience with kids his age because they're able to go do things that he is not. And that's right. something that Pa Kent has to has to tell him. Like when he when he's running next to the train, it's Pa Kent afterwards like, yeah, you can't do you can't do yeah. that. Right. Um, so that is like he, he didn't have like the perfect upbringing. He was just brought up by two really, really good people. Yeah. Now, to your defense, John, I am 100% with you on the killing of Zod, that that was a last-ditch maneuver because yeah. he is holding him. You know, he he's you know using his heat vision. He has the, the family of three in the corner, and it, he's saying stop. He's saying stop. Um, the, 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 the problem, the, the, the challenge with that moment yeah. is the previous battle scene where he and Zod have leveled. Yeah. The, the Avengers did that, though, in the Avengers movies. So. They did not, Abs though. <laughs> they, they, but it, they, guys, you see them. This is that you literally go out of your way in the Avengers to have Steve Rogers stop, talk to police, and talk about saving civilians. And in Man of Steel, it is a slugfest where That's they, where fair. Superman never once stops to say, "I got to get him out of here. People are in danger." That's fair. But, you know, people have done assessments of how much damage was done in your $18 billion. And you can't tell me nobody was killed from falling buildings. Nobody. 
Nobody says that, but it's and again, it's not a difference of like it's not a body count image because it's a it's a movie, like it's a made up thing. But when you are making a movie and you make your choices on what I need to show, and with the MCU, they make a choice to show them helping civilians who are in trouble. And Zack Snyder made a choice to not do that. And I'm not saying that Zack Snyder has bloodlust and wanted to kill everybody and Kevin Feige and Marvel are like, let's help the little guy. I'm just saying that like when you're when you are thinking about the story that you want to tell, those choices matter. So you would have been fine if there had been a scene with uh, Henry Cavill going, "Okay, we got to protect the people. We got to get them out. And he's getting beat up by Zod, but he's like getting people out. You'd have been okay. That would have helped you. What what you needed was the end of Superman 2. You needed the end of Superman too, when he was like, I cannot fight these three in this situation and not get people hurt. I got to take off. And, oh, you know, you have to the number, drag him out of the city. The number of Superman villains in the history of Superman who have been like, your weakness, I can't beat you. You are so powerful. But if I put these people under threat, you will yeah. always go to save those people and then I will be able to do my thing. That is tried and true Superman. Like that is how Superman works. That's fair, but he did kill Zod at the end of Superman too. I don't care what anybody says, unless you think. Oh he no! Fell, unless and it was played for laughs. Mattress, you know. And it was played for laughs. Yeah, so exactly. that that point that points, you know, it certainly holds up. You and know, and, 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 and fucks and Superman kills. I'm just making it. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's the T-shirt I want. <laughs> Captain America fucks and Superman kills. Wow, that is the Geek Buddies merchandise store is open for business, boys. That, that needs to be a still. That needs to be a still of Jen Walters and Zack Snyder pointing at each other. Uh, go ahead, Shannon. Go ahead. What were you saying? Finish your point. Well, no, I mean, in my like, because as much that I did like uh, of Man of Steel, like to me, that movie probably should have ended in Smallville. Like it shouldn't have gone to Metropolis because at this point, like we kind of buy into the fact like, okay, everyone in Smallville knows that that, that's Clark Kent. Um, So like literally keeping that movie in Smallville where you can reduce the destruction and the body count. And also you have everyone from this idealistic small town um, some people that have, you know, kind of turned the corner on him, like who were yeah. who were shitbags to him way back in the day. That that's okay. This is our hero. This is our personal hero. Like right. that's you know, in the in the films that that didn't happen. Like that's how I feel like it would have been played better. It's true. That's true. Uh, I like the idea that though I, I mean I I champion having like I said I'm okay with the big blue Boy Scout coming back. I, I'm okay with it. I like it. What he represents. Um, I I just I'm very curious to see how he's going to make him work in this world and how are people going to consume him in this world? Cause the Captain America first Avenger world that we lived in back then, when that came out, that is not the world we live in now. And very quickly it's changed over the last few years. So I want to see what he creates with his Superman as he walks down this path. Cause I, you know, I like a Superman that's more, has more perspective is more understanding um, maybe chooses not to be jaded. I'm cool with that because Batman has enough jade to fill the world. So what's his approach going to be in comparison? And I just don't want us to fall back on the old fucking stuff from the 40s, for God's sakes. I don't. We've moved on. And I think we... But it's not... I mean, Shannon's not referencing the 40s. Shannon is, reference, yeah. re- re- is referencing sure. the animated... Like, if you just look at Superman Adventures, yeah. Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, 
uh, that's Superman. And in point of fact, even though we do live in a very different world, back when Marvel made Captain America, Warner Brothers was already saying they couldn't figure out how to do a Superman movie because nobody wanted to see a movie about a big blue Boy Scout. And Marvel literally took every page out of the Superman playbook and fed it into Steve Rogers. And we all said, yeah, that's great. Like, it, this isn't about pol- uh, political viewpoint, ideology, anything. Like, Steve Rogers and Clark Kent are just good guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, the, that is just the truth. And they don't need to represent the entirety of white America, red America, Kansas, New York, whatever. Yeah. They are the best that we can be. There are plenty of other characters that represent the worst of what we can be or the gray of what we can be. And particularly if James Gunn is bringing in the authority and other characters Mm. like that, he's absolutely going to traverse the gray areas of superherodom and what that means. And so there's plenty of room to have discourse about what all of these things represent. But centering Superman at the center of your DC universe, he's always supposed to be the ideal. He's the ideal by which everyone else and all these other interesting characters can swirl around. You can't, you, you have Superman as the ideal so that you can have Oliver Queen saying that he's going to stick it to the man and he hates that he hates what's going on in Washington, right. that you can have all these, you know, you can have Batman be dark. You can have Diana say, I agree with you, Clark, but you don't kill. And I'm going to go cut this guy's heads off. Right. Uh, like all, all those characters can do those things because you have Superman in the center. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. Fair enough. Uh, Shannon, your thoughts on any more to add to this? Because we can, no, we can I go mean, another hour and we've got time limits on what we can do here. You know, it's just all uh, it, it's I, I do think having Superman as that beacon, as that thing that we aspire to be but no one is ever able to achieve. I mean, I think that's I think that's a good counterpoint for the rest of the superhero world that hopefully James Gunn and Peter Safran are constructing. As long as they get to call him out, I'm cool with it. Because Superman is always represented tacitly, sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly, America. So I want to, and I love when Bruce calls him out. And I love, I mean, even Dark Knight Returns, you have him working for Reagan in that futuristic fantasy land uh, that he writes in there uh, with the American flag draped around it. So he's someone who's always wanted to fit in and be American or be a part of the, be a part of human beings or whatever, but America. So as long as you've got other people questioning some of the virtuous natures of him, questioning some of his decisions, I like that if you're going to keep him as a beacon. Keep him as a beacon, but don't keep him as an infallible beacon or a beacon that can't be questioned. I think that's where I would have some issues if you're going to go down that path with this version of a Superman that right. God is teasing. And that's where you get the most interesting Superman, Batman conversations. Yes, I mean, it's 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 the conversations that Tony and Steve that we got from Tony and Steve in Civil War. Like if you if you set these <laughs> characters true. up this way, yeah. those that's going to be some that's going to be some fascinating some fascinating yeah. uh, scenes. So I lean more towards. And I think, and I think that, like, again, it's like I don't think anybody wants an infallible beacon who's always right and never makes a single mistake because yeah. that is inherently boring. But saying someone is a big galoot Boy Scout who doesn't want to kill doesn't mean that they are absolutely right in everything they do. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it, it implies in between the lines. It implies aligns. It implies that he's 
somehow infallible. And I, I don't, I don't want to have a Superman that's infallible, for God's sakes. Batman um, doesn't kill. I mean, I know he does in the movies. But like, like we're getting in. <laughs> well, but if we're getting into the comics and the way the comics are all portrayed, I mean, yeah. like you know, one of the one of the big uh, arcs was uh, the Maxwell Lord arc, where right. Wonder Woman did kill Maxwell Lord, while Batman and Superman wouldn't, and it caused a whole thing between them. So I'm just saying, that, like in the classic structure of like what happens in the comics, there are lots of characters who won't kill or don't want to kill, and like I just don't think that. I mean, I think you're putting a lot of baggage on what James Gunn is saying Superman is that James Gunn isn't actually saying Superman is. Hmm. We'll see. I mean, uh, we're only going to find out when it finally gets up on screen, you know, we'll be able to, to dissect it there, but I just, you know, I don't know about baggage is more a concern. I would say concern. Tony Reyes <laughs> says, uh, one of the, my biggest issues with man of steel for me was Superman never tries to save lives in the final fight. This is what Michael was alluding to. And then after killing Zod, he and Lois kiss out in front of a wrecked city. How does that inspire hope? Look, man, you're going to make out with your person after you survive a big old battle. You're not going to go, honey, we shouldn't kiss people. We should go someplace else where no one can see us. That would seem a little weirder <laughs> as well. And it's a movie. You're supposed to have a moment where they you the, they reunite. Uh, and kiss I'm, with, I'm, with, I'm with Tony on this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get his point about the imagery. Maybe it wasn't the right time, but it's a movie. You got to have them coming together. He survives odd. Uh, you know, I'm just saying. Um, let's see. There's more. There's a couple more. And I know Shannon, you got to go soon. So I want to throw them out here before we end. Derek Johnson says, uh, he's already sent me backtrack with the full reboot. Feels like we are in no better place than we were before. Uh, he's talking about James Gunn, I think there. So, uh, but I mean, I think look, I think that, course. I think that currently today we are not in a better place than we were before. We're hmm. still in a little bit of a mishmash, but I think that they deserve a chance to at least get to Superman legacy, which is yeah. really where their chapter one is. Um, because everything that's coming out in the next year was already in process. So I'm yeah. sure that there have been reshoots to the end of Flash to sort of help set up where we're going. But until we get Superman Legacy, for all that we're arguing about what James Gunn does and doesn't think, Roka is right that we're not actually going to know what Gunn thinks until we see Superman Legacy. Yes, write it down. I said it. Uh, <laughs> That, that once we see Superman Legacy, we're going to get a sense not only of what James Gunn actually thinks of Superman, but where we may or may not be going with this new universe. Yeah, very, very true. Uh, let's see. Uh, this one here. Arak says, across the landscape of superhero films, what do you guys see that is missing and where does the genre need to go? Especially with characters like Superman who are more than ideas on a paper. Love the geek buddies. Um, I don't know if anything's missing necessarily. Uh, maybe a consistent amount of good films and TV shows would be the thing that I was I think is missing because every time there's a bad one, superhero fatigue. Every time there's a, you know I saw a bunch of articles this week about superhero fatigue being the reason Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania didn't do well, and I'm just so frustrated by it because it's like it's not there's not superhero fatigue. There's fatigue about bad stuff or fatigue about stuff that doesn't 100 percent hit the mark. There is fatigue about that, and there's always going to be fatigue about that. So I think, uh, but, and I also think we, I don't know. I just think we need to explore expanding the brand of superheroes just a little bit more in terms of the, who we allow to come into the party and what different perspectives that we have. And I see Marvel starting to do that, which is great. I want to see DC now with this, this new approach, start to do that as well with, with what they've got. Hey, gentlemen, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, in terms of what's missing, I mean, 
what is it like there's only like six there's supposed to only be like six original stories out there and so every yeah. every every movie every television show is a variation on those six stories i mean i i i like that marvel and hopefully dc as well um are going to be dabbling with different genres i mean i like that yeah. we got werewolf by night i like that we're gonna get swamp thing i think I think, you know, doing the same, you know, origin story again and again and again and again, it, you know, it, it can, it can get tired. Yeah. Um, so, it, and I think uh, uh, seven plots. Thank you, Travis. Um, I, I think experimenting with, with different, different genres is, is fun. I mean, cause again, seven, seven stories uh, give us something different to look at. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, let's see. Um, one, one, oh, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just think, I mean, look, superheroes are our modern day mythology. So looking at what mythology does for us is it is a reflection of us. And so I think what John is saying about Superman, what I'm saying about Superman, what Shannon's saying is like, I think that the superhero genre does need to continue to grow and mature. Um, So just like with Westerns, when they were like the thing where every movie was a Western, but eventually Westerns did start to explore different ideas, like pushing the boundaries of things like Marvel, pushing diversity is great and creating like a space where everybody really can be a superhero and not all superheroes look the same. But I think that to figure out what superhero movies need to do, we need to like reflect that mirror back on ourselves. And it's like, well, what is it we want to say about ourselves? And that sounds hippy dippy, but that's like the way to sort of think about it. Excellent point, Michael. Excellent point. Derek Johnson says he needs to get off Twitter, meaning uh, James Gunn. It feels like he's going to walk himself right into problems, putting so much out there. Why is he arguing and debunking Twitter idiots? Feige's not arguing who's who in the next movie. Uh, yeah, what do you guys think about that? Do you think it's he's not wrong too much? <laughs> I, 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 th- I think James Gunn probably has a personality quirk that he is uh, not able to not address something. Yeah, fair enough. And just to give Derek a little bit of uh, he, that was connect. That was the first uh, super chat which connected. He's already sent me backtrack with full reboot. Feels like we're in no better yeah. place than we were. So just to give him full credit for I, his overall comment. Yeah, Feige is smart to not engaged. Yes. Feige lets his movie speak for himself. James is doing a lot of speaking. <laughs> it's true. Uh, Dom Gazella, who's our representative there at Carbon Health, says, as the presenting sponsor representative, I'm here to rule that all of Vogel's arguments are correct, not John's. All right. Thank you, Dom. I appreciate Vogel's it. opinions are Carbon Health certified healthy, baby. <laughs> That's messed up. That is so messed up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord of Dark- By the way, this episode was brought to you by Carbon Health, who always <laughs> thinks that Vogel is correct. Thank you so much, Carbon Health, for continuing to sponsor my opinions right here on the Geek Buddies. Lord God. All right, one last one, because we got to get out of here, because Shannon has to go. Lord of Dark says, hello, buddies. Happy Friday. What DC heroes or villains would you love to see and see done right on the big screen, like Hawkgirl or Kid Flash or Heat Wave or a Plastic Man or Basque Mask? I don't know what that I think is. It's, I think it's Black, black Mask. Oh, Black Mask. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. What do you guys think there? Uh, Plastic Man, definitely, and I would love to see a procedural with the question. Oh, fucking hundred percent! Love that idea. Love that idea, Michael. Um, I the Bat Family, Ooh. which I mean, I think that's where we're going. But like, I feel like we've be, kind of similar to like the reboots of we're telling the origin story of Superman over and over again. We spent a lot of time in a lot of movies on Batman. And it's a younger Batman, and it's Batman at the beginning, and it's Batman, and he's older, and it's Batman, and he thinks that Superman is bad, and it's Batman, and he's excited about they're both named Martha. Like, we've done Batman a lot. But we never quite get to Dick Grayson, 
Jason Todd, Tim Drake, Barbara Gordon. And I know we're kind of jumping over a lot of them to get to Damien, but I'm hoping that Damien allows us to have a grown-up Nightwing, a Barbara Gordon. Like, I think that part of what makes Batman so interesting is he's this lone solitary figure who has drawn all of these people into his life and that they all have a hard time dealing with Bruce and his bullshit. And I think that really expanding out that Bat family could give you just miles of runway for movies to tell if they did it right. Yeah, that's a good if, point. If good Batman, point. the Brave and the Bold, if if that is a Damien origin story, I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say Mr. Miracle. I would love to see a live act. I love Mr. Miracle and Big Barda. I'm down with that 100%. I'm with you on Nightwing. Can we get a fucking Nightwing, uh, actual Nightwing show? There would be a lot. Static could be really interesting if you want, because there's a lot of rumors yeah. about that. Static shot coming in as well. So those are some of the ones that jump out at me. And Martian Manhunter. I mean, there is so much to explore with Martian Manhunter. Why haven't we been able to get and no that I mean, scene at the he end? He definitely of text likes dressing up cool. like Martha Kent. <laughs> um and Lloyd, yes, I do know that he did that James Gunn did say that was our way into the Bat family. I guess what I'm saying is I hope that that's true. Right. Um, all right, there you go. No more Streamlabs Super Chats left. I know we got to say, uh, we got to get on out of here. So thank you all so much for joining us. 280 of you. We appreciate it madly. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, in all of Carbon Health certified opinions, it's Son at MK Toon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, <laughs> it is at the Roca says. <laughs> Dom, that better mean you're, you're you're sponsoring us for another six months, for God's sake. All right, well, well, um, what do you got, man? What do you got, please? Uh, well, listen, if like Carbon Health, you like my opinions, or if you just like being a part of the Buddies family, which is even more fun than the Bat family, here's what you can do to help us continue the Buddy family going strong. Hit that like button below. Subscribe to John's Outlaw Nation page. You can get lots of amazing content, lots of fun uh, John Roca stuff, lots of Geek Buddies episodes with more opinions from yours truly. Uh, leave your comments below and let us know your opinions. The chat has been super exciting today. Yeah. Uh, definitely a lot of opinions going around, a lot of disagreements, a lot of debates. Take it into the YouTube comments below. Let us know what you think about this week's episode. And uh, if you're listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments. Helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. And of course, I have to do this. Power shout out to Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor us on the Geek Buddies. Head over to carbonhealth.com. Go get checked out today. I can't verify their opinions about our show, but I certainly can verify that people who help you with any health questions or concerns or needs that you have in your life. They help they love to create healthcare plans that are specific just for you. And they've dialed into more get having more mental health programs and facilities available for you. They're virtual or in person. Go get checked out today or go get download the app to have a doc in your pocket for any of those things that happen while you're on the go. All right. Y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. Thanks so much for joining us. Look for our Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 2, spoiler review coming later today and tomorrow, The Bad Batch. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new uh, episode here of The Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey!
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.